you have a question about your home, call Ken the Contractor. I want to insulate uh, my crawl space. And what's your opinion on putting plastic uh, on the dirt floor? Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor, and now Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. Uh, first statement I would make about crawl spaces under modern day construction, you're going to put plastic down if you want to get an inspection. It's actually, there's a section in the building code that requires that today. So I strongly encourage it, even before it was in the building code. This is something that I have always done. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time to take your calls and your questions about your home improvement projects or maybe something you just want to finally get done right around your home. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email your questions to our website. That is KenTheContractor.com. Along with Ken, I am Jim Britt. We welcome you into another edition of Ken, the contractor. Tell you, it's hard to go anywhere in the USA and find a cool spot, even if you're under a tree. Maybe if you're in a cave, you can find a cool spot. But I'm going to tell you, folks, it has been oppressive. Late spring, early summer for us so far. And it is not looking to be a whole lot better. And I'm going to talk for a moment about a couple of items. One, you'll say this is right on target. And the other one, you're going to ask me, maybe, are you crazy in just a moment? Let's talk just a moment about cooling, some very basic items to stay cool right now in your home. we got people listening to us in different parts of the country using different technology, and we're going to touch on that just a little bit here as well. Very basic items, and this is not an air conditioning maintenance item, but I want to give you just some tips. If you're having trouble staying cool and you happen to have an air conditioning system in your home right now, you may want to take some of the following tips to heart and pay a little bit of attention to them. Take advantage of cool evenings. One, if you happen to be in an area where the it cools off at night, now that we're talking about some mountainous areas that are still hitting the 100-degree range that typically is cool but in the nighttime, in the daytime, but in the nighttime it may tend to cool off. You may give your air conditioning unit a little bit of a break or maybe even inside of your house by doing two things. One, if your home is relatively comfortable, even in the daytime right now, maybe you want to leave that AC unit where it is or turn it up a degree or two just so you can cycle that compressor a little bit in the evening. If it is extremely hot on the inside and you're having a little trouble keeping up with it, you may want to do just the opposite. That is, turn that AC unit down a little colder at night. It may cycle a little more often because the outside air and the inside air is a little cooler, but it may drop that temperature another one or two degrees in the house. It's cooling off the furniture, the walls, the carpet, the flooring, all of those items that tends to absorb heat during the daytime so that it may not work quite as hard during the daytime, and you may be a little more comfortable by one or two degrees on the inside. Also, for those of you that have at least window blinds, now draperies, you can keep those closed in the daytime, but if you happen to be like me and so many others, you want to have that natural light in, be sure you have those window blinds turned downward so that it reflects that that light, the UV light or the heat, back outside, but at the same time you get some of that reflected light, it's if you will, to brighten that room on the interior. One of the other items that I want to tell you is that you need to pay a little bit of attention to this and don't do it mid-afternoon. Try it late in the day or early in the morning. Look at your air compressor, which is that box unit that sits outside most of your houses. Some of you may have two if you have multiple zones. You want to be certain that the shrubs have not, or limbs from trees, have not blocked the air movement around that unit. 
If it has, it's going to cause it to run longer. It's going to run your energy cost up. It's not going to cool as well, and you're going to be most uncomfortable and still paying the tab for comfort on the inside. You want to be sure with most units you have at least three feet of clearance around that unit so that it can properly discharge the heat and and the air can circulate over those coils. The other thing that we have a tendency to forget about is, okay, it's clear around the perimeter. We forget about things over the top. Most of these are vertical discharge units, not all. But if that's true in your case and you have a limb that overhangs this, and especially if it's put in a corner of a home, you may find that you're creating a hot spot and it's not allowing the compressor to work as efficiently as it should. Very simple item. will take you a few minutes to go resolve. You may find you're much more comfortable inside your home. Also, if you haven't looked at that AC filter and changed it in the last few months, if that filter is clogged, you're restricting airflow, you're making the unit work harder. If you happen to have a, a low Freon in the unit, you're going to find that it's freezing up and turning to a block of ice. Change that filter. Be sure it's clean. Get air movement across those coils. If the air can move across the coils, you're going to be more comfortable inside your home. And then, by all means, be sure that all of the supply grills are open in the house. And I know we have people that will call from time to time, especially in the wintertime, about closing off a room that they don't use. What's going to happen in, uh, in many cases, especially in the summer months? In the winter months, I share a little different opinion, but in the summer months, most of our walls on the inside of our homes are not insulated. And that means that if you've got a, a grill closed off in a room and it's heating up and it's just becoming an oven, it's working that temperature against an interior wall that's non-insulated and it's throwing that massive heat back into the rest of the house. At the same time, the return air is still sucking that hot air back into the system. So open all the grills in the house. If you need to, open the doors from bedrooms you don't use. Be sure you're circulating the air well. And put that fan in the on mode, not the automatic mode, and it will keep circulating air constantly 24 hours a day. You're going to feel a little more comfortable. And that fan uses very, very little energy. So you're not going to run that light bill up like you do when you run the compressor. will make a huge difference for you. So those are just a few quick tips. Now, for some of you, you live in a part of the country where you're dealing with or you're trying to cool with what many people uh, refer to as swamp coolers. And these are evaporative coral uh, systems using water. And if you've got a good water supply, they're common in drier areas of the nation, especially in the Midwest, the desert Southwest. And if you happen to be using those, you want to be sure that any, any algae or other materials that can develop in those has been cleared, that you're circulating the water properly, that you're not restricting that water flow. You obviously are adding some humidity in that dry climate, which you like to do. Many people, most of you on the coastal regions, want to pull humidity out. So for some of our listeners, you'd like to have what others have. And you just want to pay a little bit of attention to how those swamp coolers uh, are working, or desert coolers, as some of you will call them, and be sure they're functioning properly. They are much more economical to operate than standard air conditioning systems. But still, if you clog the water lines, if you don't maintain those, you're going to have issues getting the inside of your house as cool as you would like to have it. Just a couple of items there. One last item I want to throw out here for you. And you'll say, you're absolutely crazy. But for those of you with fireplaces, chimneys, now is the time of year to be thinking about having those serviced. Because I want to tell you, chimney sweeps and people that maintain these are looking for work because you're not burning them right now. Don't wait until you hit the winter time. That's why I said you may think I'm crazy to bring this up. But this is when you can find some of your best bargains for fireplace and chimney maintenance procedures because you'll find people looking for the work you'll find you can get multiple bids you're going to get some of the best prices you wait till october november december you're going to pay a premium 
we'd like to take this opportunity to welcome one of our newest affiliates, and that's those of you listening to our program on KINI 96.1 FM, the voice of St. Francis Mission, serving Sioux Falls and Central South Central South Dakota, and also North Central Nebraska. We welcome you to the Ken the Contractor program. And don't forget, you can always reach Ken at 1-800-614-2975 or at KenTheContractor.com. Coming up a half hour from now, Ken will be bringing you our In the News segment. He'll tell you about major home product merchants realizing the critical nature of online research and purchasing. And at the bottom of the hour, Ken will go one-on-one with a representative from Dow Chemical talking about pest block sealer and next can the contractor answers your calls and also your emails that's coming up as we continue you're listening to can the contractor do you have questions about your home inside or out can the contractor.com is all you need to know i'm ken patterson ken the contractor visit ken the contractor.com for answers to plumbing fencing electrical roofing painting heating fireplaces, decks, and much more. Submit your questions or call anytime. Remember, KenTheContractor.com, where folks come for professional answers. Welcome back. Along with Ken the Contractor, I'm Jim Britt. Our phone lines are open. Do you have a question for Ken this weekend, a question about your home inside or out? You can join us. The number to dial is 1-800-614-2975. That's 1-800-614-2975. And also, don't forget, you can always forward your emails to Ken's website. That's KenTheContractor.com. And all we've got an email, and this is from Luther in Huntsville, Alabama, and he listens to Ken the Contractor on WKAC 1080 AM in Huntsville. It's a fencing question. Ken, how do I install a chain link fence and have it like professional did it? Are there secrets to proper installation? Well, it's uh, interesting that you raise that question because most of us have probably installed a chain link fence or some type of a mesh fence in our lifetime if there's any age about us at all. And there really are a few secrets that the pros use to make it start out straight stay straight, and for the post to be plumb and square. What I want to tell you, though, Luther, is that it is still a fairly simple process with a few specialty tools. Most of those can be borrowed or even rented. But a lot of this is just using some good common sense. Chain link fence, not unlike many fabrics, and you need to think of it that way, it is a mesh fabric, will stretch. And so what you want to do is put it up so that it is stretched in place before you secure it. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. They simply unroll the fence, they put it up, they put the twist ties or the wires around it. The next thing you know, you've got bows or sags in it, whether it's hitting the ground in one place, it may be sagged to that area, may be bowed out one side of the fence post or the other. And that's strictly because it's not tight. There are accessory items, and I'll use those that phrase loosely, that the professionals will install that do add cost to your chain link fence. You may choose to do that. It will make it look good longer. But to start with, a lot of people will embed, especially if they're doing chain link fence on galvanized posts, and that's most common, but they'll embed the post. They'll just drive them in the ground. And when you do that, I don't care whether you're in clay soil, whether you're in sandy soil, it really doesn't matter. You're wasting a lot of your labor. If you don't put those posts in concrete, what's going to happen with them, because they're usually only anywhere from an inch and a half to inch and three quarter, maybe a line post is a two and a quarter inch, but they are so narrow that once you put them in the ground, unless they are feet and feet and feet in the ground, and you're not going to spend the money for that post, that they're going to move on you. All it takes is a little bit of rain, 
The ground has softened up, and the tension you may have put on the fence, you're starting to see sags. People leaning against it, kids climbing against it or over it, and you have issues with it. So first be sure your posts are embedded in concrete, and you can make sure that they're straight as well by putting your corner post in, pulling a string line that's quite tight. A mason line works well, uh, which masons use to lay brick and block work with because you put a lot of pressure on that and pull it tight, and it stays straight over long distances. But pull a string line, set those posts, lay them out. You should be roughly 10 feet on center, and I'd be consistent with that as you set most fabric in place. Pour some concrete around it, and do not immediately put the fabric on it. You want to pour the concrete, like a lot of fence, let it set up, let the post secure in place, get it backfilled, and then start running that fabric. When you do, you want to start at a termination point. You want to be sure your terminal posts are properly supported. It'll either be an end post if it's a straight run, if or if it's a corner, you want to be sure you have angle bracing on that because a single post Standing up by itself is not going to take all the tension you need to put on it to keep this straight. And then as you move along, you want to unroll the wire, pull it all the way to the opposing end or to the end of that roll. You want to secure that, and you're going to. You, this is where you need the proper devices to to stretch this wire fabric. Again, you want to be sure that you're pulling this as tight as it can without distorting the mesh. And come-alongs work for that. You want to end up with a spreader bar, something along those lines in the end of it, so you've got uniform pressure on this. If you'll do these things, you're going to find that the mesh is very tight. It will stay straight long-term. And some things you can do that make it last longer is put a tension wire in the bottom and a tension wire on the top. You don't have to put a top rail or a top post on it. If you do those things, you're going to have a good, neat, clean, professional job that works just like the pros do and will last and hold up well. Is this one of these cases, we've talked about this on previous programs, where if you can get the right piece of equipment, too, it can make the job a, a little bit easier. The professionals have access to this. They use it all the time. And, and I'm just assuming I, I can kind of see this if I was attempting to do this, kind of going out there trying to make do with something to try to execute this in the fashion that you talked about, whereas just a little bit of, of the proper equipment and all of a sudden makes a heck of a difference with your finished project. Well, in most cases, the equipment, when it comes to fencing, makes the job easier, but there are a lot of ways of achieving the same end result, and that is putting tension on this wire. Now, if you've got a 300-foot run, you're not going to do that with a, a piece of timber fastened to the end of it using a 2 by 4 uh, and a couple of guys to try and straighten it out. A short, like something the Flintstones. It does. A short run of fence, you can do something where you can get just enough uh, enough pressure on it to do that. But 300 feet is not going to happen. So there are devices, mechanical devices or electrical devices that are out there that allow you to tension this wire properly and to do it at a uniform level. Because if you tend to do it just tying into one or two points on the chain link fence, it'd be uh, you're going to see that and you're going to see the weak spots in between it. You're not going to tension the entire wire. So that's really the key to having a good, sharp-looking fence that looks like the pros installed it. You want to have uniform tension. You want to have all of the slack pulled out of it. You want to have it tight. Then you want to go through, and you're going to start fastening one post at a time. And you may need to retension that as you continue to move down. But you've got to brace the post first. And if you don't do that, so many people don't. They're just pulling that end post over. And I see fences that are sagging and really look like an amateur put it up. So if you want this pro look, that's the way you need to do it. And some things that will make your life easier, perhaps uh, a power auger to put those posts in the ground if you're in clay soil and i think where luther is writing is from he probably is dealing with that so power auger would be helpful to get those posts in and then you may even look at some type of a hydraulic device designed to stretch fence fabric uh, let's sneak in another email and this comes to us uh, from uh, bonnie in virginia and she wants to stain an old concrete floor yeah bonnie uh, is looking from this email at, a, at reusing something that's been around she says for 38 years an old carport floor says it was never painted, 
and I don't know whether it was sealed or not. Well, Bonnie, is it before I move on with the question, one thing I'll tell you is that you, if you pour water on it, you hit it with a water hose, if it happens to um, run off right away, to bubble up, to stand there like it might on a freshly waxed tile floor or even your car, then it's still probably got some type of a sealer in place. For all of you, that's a good way to see whether it's sealed or not. But since you raised the question, we're going to talk about that in more detail. said, if it was sealed, it was years ago, it doesn't look like it. The house, uh, and she goes on to talk about where it's located. She says, is there a concrete stain that I can put on it now, given the age of it? And if so, what would I need to seal it, and what brand of stain or sealer would you recommend? Let's touch on a couple of things here that are important to you, Bonnie. One, I've told you how to check and see if there is a sealer in place. And just because you hit one spot doesn't mean that it is not sealed somewhere else. You want to go ultimately to companies like Cabot, C-A-B-O-T-S, H&C Concrete Stain, Chemico, K-E-M-I-K-O, and all this will be on our podcast, so you can go back and jot it down later. Those are companies that produce acid-etched stain. Some of these stains that H&C produce are both water-based and oil-based. If you want to stain concrete, it's going to have to, especially old, it's going to have to be thoroughly cleaned. It's going to have to be acid etched in order for this to penetrate and to seal pro- and then come back and seal it. Some of these will also have a self-sealer uh, compound element to them. H&C happens to make one. But these are some of the brands you can clean and stain and seal old concrete, even if it's 38 years old. And you'll be amazed at the look. There's so many different products out there for you to work with. I want you to go visit concretenetwork.com. That is not a business network, but it's all about concrete work and staining and prep work, and it'll show you so many pictures of various things you can deal with. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Don't forget, you can friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you have a question, you can join us at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email him questions at our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Time now for one-on-one with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and save money. My next guest is Stephen Shohan. Stephen's with us today to talk about a product that some of you have already asked about, not necessarily by product name, but in terms of solving a problem. Stephen's here with Dow Chemical, and that's a name that so many of you know, Dow. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, Dow is a name that I've used so many times. Most people are familiar with Dow in terms of the insulation board. But one of the things that I know they're familiar with, but maybe Dow doesn't come first, that's a product called Great Stuff. And we talk about that a lot, about sealing around our doors, our windows, our outlets, penetrations that we have in the wall. But you have something new and unique about great stuff. Tell us about it. That's exactly why I'm here. We talk to a lot of people, and again, we have an extensive product family of great stuff, insulating foam sealant. One of the things that you know is commonly used for is sealing out pets. Is in addition to air sealing and energy efficiency, 
People use the product to keep pests from infiltrating the house, to block to seal the gaps and cracks around the windows, basically anything. Any, any penetration anything. that would allow air or moisture in exactly. or out. Well, one of the questions is always, do you have a product specifically for that? And so we've developed a new formula that is called Great Stuff Pest Block. This product, it gives you the dual benefits. So what's great about this product, other than the name Great Stuff, is that when you seal the, um, the gaps, you're not only blocking the airflow, but you're stopping the point of entrance for pests. So if you have occasional invaders like insects, you know, they're going to bump into it and they're going to go away and go and try and find someplace else to come. But rodents, as you know, will, if they want to get in your house, they're going to get in your house. They'll eat through just about anything, including insulation off wires. That's right. That's right. And and, and thus, we've, we've put a, a bitter ingredient in our product. And again, it, this product is specifically formulated so that it will keep those occasional invaders from coming in your home and, and in through those normal points of entry. So this is, I know it's ideal for a lot of places, but I'm thinking especially for people that have basements, uh, basement access doors, windows, right. where the mortar may have come loose, things uh, just o- because of the age of the house or whatever, it may have some openings there that not only mice, but perhaps even rats can get in. That's right. And this will repel all of those rodents. Squirrels are a big nuisance in certain areas, and they're mm-hmm. in the rodent family, so this will have the same effect? It, it, yeah, it will keep them. It will block their point of entry. It, it, that's the primary use of the product is to block the point of entry. But it does have that. Um, but I guess that it, it's a taste it's a, or something that's applied to it that repels them. It, like many right. of us in our the garden, will have products that we can put in and around our garden that drive certain critters away. Right. It doesn't harm them. It just drives them away. And right. And and primarily the benefit is the discouragement of, of the barrier. However, we did you know again to your to your point that the rodents are going to not want to eat through the product or what have you. Right now, I've had a call on a recent show, and I've had more than one, but just comes to mind recently about using steel wool to fill some of these holes to eliminate a rodent issue. But steel wool can be used in conjunction with the Great Stuff product. Is that correct? That's correct. If you have that pest, the pest that's really persistent, and the, you know, if they want to get in your home, if they've been there before, they're going to want to get back in, and, and, and they'll eat through almost anything. You mentioned some other things but they'll eat through anything so putting great stuff on packing this the space with steel wool or copper wool is another application and putting foam on top of it is a recommended application if you have a persistent chewing animal that's coming into the to the holes in your house if there's a again you mentioned like plumbing penetrations are, are a likely source of entry where your hose bib is packing the steel wool around that penetration or larger holes and using it as a backer to support the foam and then they, you know, really can't, even if they decide that they can bear the, the foam, they get to the wool, it stops them in their tracks. So well, it sounds like it's been taste tested by plenty of rodents based on the science that we're talking about today. They have all rejected it and gone somewhere else. Yeah. And that's the idea behind that's all of right. this. With the normal foam products, Great Stuff's been around for a few years and it really is great stuff. But mm-hmm. we know there are different degrees of expansion with that. Correct. The, when we look at the pest block, does that hold true as well so they can still use it in the same area, some where there would be a more a minimal expanding foam and others where they need the maximum expansion? Right. And this product's being launched. It's, it's, a, it's our gaps and cracks up to one inch. Is our, is like our, it's our minimal expanding or gaps and cracks is what we call it. It can be built upon to build, fill a bigger space, but we're launching it in the, because a lot of these spaces are small spaces. You don't need a big space for an animal to get into. I mean, they can get in the hole the size of a quarter. You want to make sure you put the right amount and you fill the gap, and it'll expand to fill the gap. And then if you need to add more, you can build upon it. Um, so there's one size flavor. It's not for use around windows and doors. Um, that's one of the the issues, you know, the, the exceptions. This product is designed, you know, for places where you can have some expanding space for it to come out. We, manu- we market a product, um, great stuff, window and door, 
which is a low-pressure variety of our product. Right, so it's minimal expanding, so it doesn't yeah. push the jam or trim it's actually, out of the way. Yeah, and it's the expanding pressure that's critical. So you're right. It's, you know, you're thinking about it pushing the jam and keeping that window shut. Or so you can't open it or can't close it. But that's the so this product you know if you put too much in there there around a window you might have a problem like that so just we, we recommend using the window and door still in the window and door applications but all other penetrations and cracks and holes and gaps and places where you have some place for the foam to fro- flow freely this product is ideal for that the bottom line is follow the manufacturer's instructions use the right product for the job just like I tell you use the correct tool for the job you'll find that life is easier you end up finishing the project sooner and it performs like it's supposed to. Great stuff, Pest Block. For those of you that are curious, where can they find out more about this? Well, you can find it on our website, which is DowGreatStuff.com. We appreciate you joining us today, filling us in on this new product. Sometimes it's the little things that really change how we enjoy our homes. It's not always the big items that everybody pays a lot of attention to, but something this small, if it can rid your home of rodents and the problem you have, makes you so much happier sitting in that chair. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Stephen's in such a unique situation of telling us about some of these new items that you and I have been asking about, but I can tell you behind the scenes, and these are things that have not come to air yet, but Dow continues to work on products that cater to our needs and our request. And it's amazing the kind of power that we have as consumers when you take a company that is a worldwide company like Dow, and they are listening to what we're asking for. And Pest Block's just one of those. If you happen to have live in an area where it's prone to pest infestation, you're in a wooded area, uh, wherever it may be, this appears to be the product that will solve your problems to close off all those holes and to keep those critters outside where they belong and let you be comfortable inside. Well, just think of the amounts of money that you spend on a case-by-case basis sometimes trying to rid these critters, and also when they get to places that you just can't get access to them. I I know under sheds is one of the particular uh, problems where uh, all sorts of things crawl up under there, and then sometimes of their own volition... They go bye-bye, and then, boy, you got a heck of a time. You know they're there. You can smell them, yeah. and you're, tr- you're yeah, trying you to can. get them out. But, you know, some of the areas that are more difficult for us to work with, it happens to be crawl spaces or attic areas. And once they get in there, it's not just getting them out, but it's the problems they cause. And, again, it's the odor that they may be creating. But a lot of these will chew into your wires. They'll call elect- cause electrical shorts. They'll get into low-voltage wires. They will chew into insulation. So this product is especially formulated to keep them out. It is not your ordinary foam or ordinary insulation product. Yeah. And anytime you can keep them out, let them stay where they belong. They stay I, out there. I think there. they're going to be happier, and I know I'm going to be happier. Yeah, that's right. They stay out there. Don't bother me inside. Just let me have my, my big TV, and I'm happy. And you want your space with the air conditioner Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I know, I know. And then I can wave at those little fellas outside. As they smile at the window. Run free and go. <laughs> Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You want to reach him? Just pick up the phone and give us a holler at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you have a question for Ken, you can email him questions to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Or you can give us a call. We're going to go to those phone lines right now at 800-614-2975. And joining us next is Ginny. Hi, Ginny. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Thank you. Hi there. How can I help you today? Well, I have a cement sidewalk that's showing a little aggregate, and I noticed some of my friends have had 
a covering put on it, which is, I guess, cement about two inches thick, which cost about $1,000. And I wondered if there's anything else that can be done with it. There are many products on the market today that are designed to take care of exactly the issue that you have. And that keeps you from going in and tearing up concrete. It keeps you from having to put forms up or do this two-inch topping because you can't take concrete and apply it in just a half-inch coating. It's not going to bond or have the structural integrity that it needs to stay in place. But there are numerous companies that have come up with uh, epoxy coatings or repair products. This is an area where they have a a product design that you're going to find at most of your hardware and uh, construction supply stores that are do-it-yourself products. Uh, the concrete has to be properly cleaned. You want to be sure you've removed all of the loose material from the surface, and this is usually a pressure washing operation. Allow it to dry. You follow their directions, but there is a bonding mix, and then it's a coating that goes over the top. It gives you a uniform color, and it gives you texture as well. And you'll find that it's a fraction of the cost of putting something down new or applying this topping like many of your neighbors have done. And that's just one. There's so many others out there that are not cement-related or concrete-based, if you will, as a topping. There are epoxy coatings that are on the market. So investigate those. You will find they vary in price, and it depends on whether you're looking to do it yourself or this is something you want to hire a professional. And if you're going to hire a professional, I always encourage people to solicit at least three bids, talk to some of the supply houses, see if they recommend the particular applicator. Do they stand behind them? Do they know what they're doing? Do they have good, you know, good track record here? And then make your best deal in that fashion. So I think you have two ways to go, but I promise you, if you investigate some of those products we're talking about, and I'd go to the QuickCrete website first because they've got so many. They're probably the leader in this country in concrete repair products and additives and, and things of that nature that you'll find what you're looking for there. And then from there, you can look at some other brands and check on pricing. Okay. Now, one of my neighbors did have that put on. I think what you're talking about, and it didn't last. Is it possible that there are two different kinds that you should be careful? Oh yes, with? yeah. I mean that's a good question. There are multiple products out there, and some of the older generation are the first generation products would not bond well. They did not perform well. As a builder, I used some of those many years ago, and then I got to where I just stayed away from them because they didn't perform. We'd spend time and money putting it down only mm-hmm. to go back a year later and it'd still be an issue. So I just stayed out of the market in terms of using that product for a long period of time until recent years, and I mean just the last two or three years, looking at the newest products, they do a very good job. I've been impressed with their performance, and I'm seeing I, I have done far more commercial work than residential, but I'm seeing even a greater use of these products in the commercial world where there's a great deal of foot traffic on sidewalks at restaurants in front of theaters, medical buildings, and I these see. are being these are being used in high traffic areas to restore concrete rather than tear it out. What that tells me is the industry as a whole is starting to accept it because they're finding they perform well. There's real value there. But the older products, going back even five, seven, ten years ago, they did not live up to expectations. So you want to raise that question, look at performance data, and then ask also, if you're talking to an applicator, you're obtaining some bids, ask them for some references, not just those that you call, but that you can go see the finished work and find some that are a little older that maybe have gone through a full seasoning cycle, you know, between summer, spring, fall, and winter, and see how Mm -hmm. it performed. That's what I would do. That's what I do when I investigate a new product. I don't want to be the first guy to use it. I want to find people that have had a good track record with it, not only installing it, other contractors or subcontractors, 
but homeowners and commercial users that have had it down and it's been tested in that environment. So give that a try, and I think you'll be satisfied, and you'll make yourself look really good compared to your neighbors. You'll save some money. Jenny, thank you. We do appreciate your call. Don't forget, you can always reach Ken the Contractor at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Time now for this week's In the News segment. Uh, Ken brings us products, trends, and services each week. They're important to you so that you can make informed decisions about your home maintenance, remodeling, and also new construction. Well, this week we're going to talk a little bit about both trends and services. As I tell you from time to time, we as consumers have more power than we think we do when it comes to industry, manufacturers, retailers listening to us. And online has become a major focus for home improvement retailers, especially a younger generation that has grown up with all of the technology in their hands, in their pocket, in their purses. They're paying a lot of attention to them, but I want to tell you, people my age are doing more and more online, folks, and all of you, some of you a lot older than I am, we are really into the computer side of living today, whether it's paying our bills, doing online banking, or buying products. And the largest retailers in this country, Home Depot and Lowe's especially, and there are many others, Ace, so many others that we could sit here and name, are paying a lot of attention and investing millions in their online sales and marketing sites. Customers are increasingly spending significant time online, not only buying products, but first we spend so much more time today researching products. And I tell each of you to do that over and over again. Get your information before you spend your money. So both of these home improvement retail giants have made significant investments, and you're going to see a lot of changes there. Lowe's launched its improved online sales platform called My Lowe's in September of 2011. We talked a little bit about that. Through the website, customers can manage their home improvement projects from concept, from the concept plans and planning all the way to execution. And a lot of you are saying, yeah, I've been using this. It's a pretty neat program for you to work with. Customers can also view and manage room-by-room profiles of their homes and experiment with different styles virtually. This is a huge change from where we were just a few years ago in the industry. You can actually see how it looks on your home by taking pictures, uploading these various colors or mixing and matching and see what the the finished product will look like. Also realizing these trends are where they are, Home Depot is doing the same thing. Although Home Depot is moving so much more of their side into actually creating a uh, improving their online portal, if you will, to develop direct fulfillment distribution center. Now, what that means is that they intend to allow you to purchase online but go to your local Home Depot and pick that product up. Also, they're going to give you the opportunity to check far beyond what you can today in-store inventory. That's going to be a huge help and save a lot of us gasoline and trip time. Well, and the other thing that they're tapping into is they're realizing that with almost any online retailing, what's the biggest impediment? Shipping costs. And by uh, ordering stuff online, shipping it to your local store, local Lowe's or Home Depot, in many cases, they totally wipe out that shipping charge. Well, it's already coming in on the trucks that show up at the store. So these people are listening to us. Continue to tell all of your major retailers what's on your mind, what you're looking for, and how you want to shop. They're paying attention and reinvesting for us. That'll do it for this hour of Ken the Contractor, the program where folks come for professional answers. If you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can always reach Ken the Contractor at 1-800-614-2975.
888-242-2975 or online at kenthecontractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Do you have questions about your home, inside or out? KenTheContractor.com is all you need to know. I'm Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Visit KenTheContractor.com for answers to plumbing, fencing, electrical, roofing, painting, heating, fireplaces, decks, and much more. Submit your questions or call anytime. Remember, KenTheContractor.com, where folks come for professional answers. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.